0: many um animals do you currently have up for adoption right now
1: oh gosh well total like cats specific
0: well cats and dogs just in general
1: um well we've got Tyrion, which jessica is gonna grab we have so we have quite a few here that we're in our home that we're fostering but we also have them some of, some of our cats um at the perfecto cat lounge and uh but all of our animals were listed on Pet Finder. Okay, great.
0: Awesome.
2: We only have two dogs, but that might change tomorrow or the next day. (laughs) And Him and uh, his litter mates were named after Game of Thrones characters. His brother, Jon Snow, just got adopted. They're like ragdolls. They just let you just hold them and kiss them. Um, And we're surprised he hasn't been adopted yet. All of his brothers and sisters, Cersei got adopted. Just hanging out. Coming off of
0: us now. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Coffee and Crazy People. I'm Alexis, and uh, we talk about cats and cannabis and business around here. So I'd like to welcome Kingdom Rescue to the podcast today. Thank you, ladies, for joining me.
1: Yeah. Hi.
0: Yeah. You got your your fur babies there with with you as well. So um, why don't we do a round of introductions, whoever would like to start and then uh, let everybody know, you know, what you're up to these days. And um, then maybe after the intros, we can talk a little bit about Kingdom Rescue. Awesome. You go first.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am Jessica Derson. I am, uh, we're all the co-founders of Kingdom Rescue. I'm the acting secretary and um really learned everything about rescue from melissa she's kind of our she's our matriarch if you will um and really the true heart behind kingdom rescue but uh that's who i am and right here uh our little fur buddy we have this is Tyrion, um and i'm sure he'll make another appearance as well as some of our other fur babies i love it it. uh my name is ari arius
1: and co-founder to kingdom rescue and uh yeah, just along what Jessica said, we've learned a lot from this one over here, Melissa. She's uh spearheaded and led the way in teaching us, instructing us, and showing us um, not just compassion, but a lot of things that go on with animal welfare that we didn't know coming into it, but it's educated us and enlightened us, and we're excited to share it with y'all. Thank you, y'all. I'm Melissa, and um, I we couldn't do Kingdom Rescue without all three of us. It's, it's been wonderful, but it's a lot of work and it definitely takes a village and um, a lot of teamwork. And we recognize there's such a great need out here um, in the rural areas, but just oh, in general for animal welfare and spay and neuter and um, just education. And um, so that is what we are trying to do.
0: Awesome. Well, it sounds like Melissa, you kind of are the the head of the the whole idea. Do you want to kind of kickstart? Like, how did Kingdom Rescue get started? What was the what was the process?
1: Um. Well, we have we've been rescuing animals for a for a long time. Um, I was volunteering um our, for years at shelters uh, and fostering for shelters. But really, um, we, Kingdom Rescue started behind feeding some cats behind a dumpster of the, at, a, at a gas station, and it actually was one of Jessica yes. who yes. said, "Why don't we start a rescue?" So it was really their idea to start the rescue, and then,
2: well, I mean, I'll tell you what I, what I said um, <laughs> when we were behind the dumpster of this gas station, we're feeding the cats, giving them water, and at this point, there was about twenty cats. We did that for a few weeks, and then one day I was like, "Are we gonna feed these cats for the rest of our lives behind this dumpster?" Like, and what was happening actually? I was educated on it. Is these cats were reproducing, so uh, there was about twenty, and then there was a litter of kittens, and we found the kittens. And Melissa actually taught us a lot about, you know, don't take the young babies from their mother, spay and neuter. That's where we learned about TNVR: trap, neuter, vaccinate, return, return back to uh, their colony. And we learned so much and that's where we kind of formed the idea of doing a, a nonprofit because at that point we were able to raise money um, and actually have a full operation. And so we went from TNVR originally, behind a dumpster, uh, to actually rescuing both cats and dogs as well as kittens and puppies as well.
0: So I'm, I'm trying to picture like behind that. So you said a few weeks behind the dumpster, okay. Yeah. And you guys are going every night, once a day, twice a day.
1: Like- at night because that's when they tend to come out because it's a pretty busy gas station there's a really big another gas station that's like a travel center kind of behind it So they cats will especially in the summer when it's so hot they'll they'll come out dusk or at night um so typically we would try to have at least one or two of us go together just for safety but also we were kind of we, we were alternating just because it's it's every night you're having to go and because it almost it gets to a point where you feel bad if you if you don't go and feed them because you know they're waiting for you um excuse sorry us. Bob,
2: yeah. bobby's just, not getting any attention Bobby, right now, yeah so.
0: that's okay we can still hear you so
2: <laughs> so we just
1: uh we have been feeding them actually probably for gosh close to a year maybe even wow. more and then that's when jess was like why don't we you know start a rescue and um And then now, so there's a, there's other gas stations and then it has just, it's grown.
0: So you guys are still going out and finding these colonies. And then are you, I know you're doing the trap, neuter, vaccinate, release, but are you not releasing? So like, what's that process look like? Like, how did you get from releasing to like, okay, like how do you decide which ones need to be homed or, um, you know, are safe in their environment. I mean, just I'm just curious. I'm learning today. So you
1: know, actually came from another gas station that, that we feed at. Um, and he his name's Eli, and he was actually eating a piece of rubber in the driveway. And that night we got him and um another little orange one and then another another white one. And so they were tame enough um that we were able to if they're tame and they're young enough then they're easy there is easier to that they're, they're considered adoptable some of the cats especially the the teenage ones the older ones if they're if they're feral or wild and you know not tame those are you pretty much cannot place those are the ones that you want to trap get them fixed spade if they're females neuter if they're male vaccinate them and then return them and so, uh, those are the ones that are not, that are not adoptable, but if they're young enough, then like this, like him, then we, he's up for adoption. Eli's up and for. So those aren't
0: cute, right? Like yes. <laughs> I have a fondness for those little, uh, ginger cats. Let's just say, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I want to adopt all of them right now. I wish I could. My husband would kill me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that we learned along with the experience that we had behind the gas station where we started is this I had no idea about about TN you know TNVR and I remember Melissa saying oh we can trap them we can trap them and get them spayed." and we had done it a couple of times but it didn't click when she said it and then we you know she taught us how to come out with the trap and how to put some food on the back end of the trap and how to set it up but you want to cover over it so it was all a learning experience and it went from behind a gas, sta- a gas station uh, garbage can to a call that uh, Jessica actually took to a woman uh, that out in the county that had 45 cats at her home that we helped get um, so far half stay and neutered. Um, and like Melissa was saying, some of those are adult cats and aren't able to be tamed, but as long as you are able to fix them it stops the the problem of them reproducing over and over and over again.
2: One thing I'll say about that lady, actually, she was an elderly woman. She brought one cat home, one cat that she loved. Her neighbor's cat came, they mated had a litter of kittens. And then before she knew it within a year, she had 45 cats. So by the time we showed up, there was about 45 adult cats. She was feeding them and she wanted them to stay. It was just a matter of, I don't think you want 100 cats in the next year. So we were able to work with the the local community to raise money. We even worked with PALS, uh, Prevented, Lit- Prevented Litters. Um, Melissa used to volunteer, and you're on their board for a while, I think. Um, they're out of St. Marcus, and they do low-cost spay and neuter. Mm-hmm. And so we worked with the community there. Even in Bass Drop, they have TNR group, too, that actually supported us in those efforts. So... There are resources out there i'm going to say that to anyone watching the podcast especially in texas you do have to find them uh depending on where you're at but we were able to work together as a um, really other rescue groups helped pitch in for that mm-hmm. effort
0: no i think it's amazing and i think it's important for people because they don't i don't think anybody realizes how quickly the population can grow right <laughs> And it's, I've seen it firsthand, so I totally get it. And it's like, oh, that poor lady, 45 cats, she didn't know what was going on after a while. It does not take much. It does not take a long time. Their gestation period is so short. And then I know that it's like from very early on, and I i don't remember it off the top of my head, but they can start reproducing like after three months or something, right? It's yeah. Yeah. pretty young. Yeah. So. Crazy stuff. So tell me a little bit, I know, um, you know, you talked about rescue so far, how you guys got started, but you know, w- now that you're established as a nonprofit, like what's the goal here? What's your mission? You know, what are you trying to do with kingdom rescue?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I keep, keep looking at me. Well, um, you know, our mission is to show compassion to abandoned and neglected animals, especially in rural Texas. Um, there are many communities, I mean, the, the, let me preface the issue is there's a crisis in Texas, no matter where you're at, whether you're in the urban area or the rural area. Because we're right outside of Austin in the rural area, we experience a lot of phone calls of animals dumped. And because there's not a lot of county resources or resources going into county shelters, we only have city shelters. So if you're in a county jurisdiction, there's a lot of animals dumped on back roads. We've experienced it firsthand. In fact, that's, I mean, our whole relationship, we've known each other. I know Twelve years plus, mm-hmm. um, we have found you know driving on our way to work boxes of dumped puppies, boxes of dumped kittens, an elderly um, senior dog crossing the highway. So it almost found us, if you will. Um, and so our mission is to continue raising awareness of this issue across Texas, um, educating people on um, spay and neuter of their animals. And then also just helping the public within our area have access to low cost resources. You know, um, we're familiar with the Mansa Pet in Austin. In fact, that's where I think I got one of my dogs spayed and neutered because it was low cost. Rural Texas doesn't have that, and so we've been really trying to raise money. And um, we also work with a a group called Loving Texas Pet Assistance. They're outside of California. They're now in Kerrville area, and they offer offer free spay and neuter um to low-income residents so actually last year we had a low-income um spay and neuter clinic it was totally free uh we actually had vets fly out all the way from california and i felt like they were just dropped in the middle of rural texas in our small town of luling and uh they were able to spay and neuter um, over i don't a hundred um cats and dogs that day so our mission is to continue that work um i think We've even talked about this recently it's almost like the the animals find us we get phone calls of people finding animals every day i know a lot of rescues help animals on the euthanasia list and we do that as well but i mean it's almost like we're forced every day to help animals um despite working with shelters i mean they're they're all over so i don't know if y'all want to piggyback on that we get calls like we literally
1: Got a call a few weeks ago from um, a uh, a lady who had two uh, a mama dog and puppies. show up the mama dog disappeared and took like two of the puppies, and they were left with two puppies. So we were able to get those two puppies, thank goodness, in a foster home. We just got a call yesterday from a lady who um, she lives in an apartment complex in Welder, which is a small town about. 30 minutes from here, there is no shelter. There's nothing. And um, she's in a, a small apartment complex. And uh, so there's the mom, dog, and four puppies. And she took the four puppies in, but she can't keep them. And she's like, I don't know what to do because she was scared they were going to die. They were like infested with fleas. They came out from like a, a neighbor's house down the street. And she was afraid there was there's other strays running around that these puppies would be killed. So we're trying to help her right now. We got another call or someone, one of you got a call from another lady. It's, it's every day. Yeah. It's, it's every day. And I don't think if that is what I can like get on a rooftop and just yell to people is spay and neuter. And this lady I was talking to today, she's like, I she I'm, I'm because she's called shelter. She's the rescues are full. Shelters are full. They're putting puppies to sleep. And I'm not trying to be, have it so negative and heavy, but they are, that's the reality is, is they're putting puppies to sleep. And kittens, because there's not enough space. If you go on to like Harris County, what I think that's the biggest County in Houston. I, I was I'm from Houston. They have an, in, they have a, um, an in an input and outweigh income, uh, intake. outcome, oh. intake and outcome for every one or two dogs and cats that get adopted, 30 more get brought in 30 more um i mean that's a low number that's i mean if you overall for the city of houston it's greater but it's like so few get out or, or making it out of wise. and um i can tell you that for every for all Gu- guadalupe county over here for every like a few adoptions they get they're having to put more to sleep just to make space for the influx of them coming in so spay and neuter i just if people could see behind the, 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 the doors of what's going on at the shelters. And it's not the shelter's fault. I can't imagine what it's like for them having to put these healthy animals to sleep. But the public does not, I don't think, realize how bad it is.
0: Yeah, I can definitely um, agree to that. My, I'm from rural Texas east. And uh, you know, a lot of the things that you talk about are uh, very familiar. Finding animals on the just dumped, and we lived like we lived in the dumping zone. So we ended up at some point, we had 12 cats and six dogs living at my house. That's how I grew up, right? I didn't know any better because they just show up, and we would take care of them. It's like nobody else was going to do it. There, There is no, and still to this day, and I've lived in Austin for 20 years now, so um, three and a half hours away from where I'm originally from, but I tell my mom all the time, I was like, there has to be services somewhere in Houston, and she's like, I can't find them, even if I call them, and then for her being an elderly woman, right, not having the same mobility that she had before, she can't do the trap neuter release process the way we used to right um so she needs somebody to come assist and she can't find anybody in the area who's uh, available you know so these are the things that we go through all the time and still to this day right she's finding she found four kittens about uh, two months ago right still so it's it's constant so i know i know that it's um a big burden that we don't hear about because <laughs> metropolitans tend to think like, oh, everything's working, right? Or oh, we have these resources, but only here do we have these resources. We, you know, the benefit across Texas is not widespread at all. So, what can we do as you know, animal people to help support the initiative for spay and neuter because it is not accessible for a lot of people, you know, especially low-income people. Um, they don't have, like you said, Emancipets or, you know, this uh, organization that you guys are working with. You know, what other resources can we support to, to help improve that for people who are living out in the country? Because <laughs> a major part of Texas.
1: Um, I was thinking whenever you first started talking is what well, first and foremost what comes to mind is education. Is trying to just create education for people, but Also, one of the things that's been really helpful for us as a rescue and not only getting awareness out, but presenting opportunities for people is partnering, even with outside the county or your local area with other rescues um, and trying to kind of have that reciprocal relationship. So for example, Jess brought up loving Texas pet assistance. If it had not been for them coming into our county, a lot of low income uh, section eight housing, people and residents in our county wouldn't have been able to get their animals fixed. And that's a hundred animals. And I don't remember uh, kind of if it was how many cats or how many dogs at this moment, but hundred animals is a lot to get fixed, especially in two days. And the fact that they were able to come in and provide those services really was a true blessing for the families because they didn't have access. Not only can they not financially be able to provide that act for their animals, uh, but they, can't, they just can't afford it. And so it really came down to partnering. And I will say just as a side note, that's, that's our dream is to be able to provide those services and eventually build out a low cost van neuter clinic and have annual clinics to be able to diminish and not just here in Caldwell, but at large for South Central Texas. Um, and I think it goes to word of mouth and educating people. Education is the number one thing. Um, because some people just don't know. And if you can away, raise awareness to that, it makes a big difference. I mean, even just this, you allowing us to come and speak is a huge blessing for people to
2: watch and glean from. So, well, I'm going to piggyback on that and just say, you know, what can people do in their areas too? A lot of like even becoming a 501c3 has been networking and reaching out and saying, you know, this is our mission. Our mission is to stop the overpopulation of pets in Texas. It's a big mission, but that drives us every day. So we met with our local shelter. We got to know her um, at the Luling shelter a little bit better. she directed us to someone else. And it was just this uh, domino effect of networking, um, especially if you're really passionate about what it is that you want to do or start. I know some rescues, they have niche areas that they focus on. Uh, We met Snip and Tip out Mm -hmm. of Temple area. And uh, they only focus on TNR for cats. Um, So we got to meet them. We were able to connect with another cat coalition. I know for TNR, there's a TNR Texas Facebook group. If you want to follow them, Uh, they actually promote TNR across Texas. So if there's ever a colony, I know the colony of cats and there's no resources for that person, they'll post it on Facebook and then ask if anyone's in the area to help support. So there are resources, you just have to find them. Um, and for people who may not be on the internet, um, the shelters usually are a good place to start as well.
0: I will say my experience as a consumer has not been as uh, receptive. And maybe it's because people in rescue are overwhelmed and overworked. But I will say coming from a bigger city trying to connect with the mainstream rescue groups, um, they're not always open to it. So how is that? Have you experienced that as well? Because, you know, when you're talking about some of these other places that you're partnering with, a lot of them are smaller communities. A lot of them are from outside of the state. I shouldn't say a lot of them, at least one of them that you mentioned is from outside of the state. Like how do we, Pressure those larger networks to really have more influence across the state in the smaller communities because I just don't I don't see them wanting to and I'm not going to name names even though I might want to.
2: (laughs) That is a really good question. We've been
1: pretty fortunate, um, like Jess mentioned, with. Laws, Luling Animal Welfare Society, Lori, um, is the director out there, and she's been, you know, we have, you know, we've worked as much as we can with her. There's another lady, lady named Keiko. Um, she's uh, from Japan that lives here in Texas, and she runs the Gonzales Dog Shelter. We've just been very fortunate with the rescue groups around us and who we reach out to there might be a few that we've come into contact that kind of are doing their own thing and maybe haven't really wanted to work together. But for the most part, we've had pretty good support. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. It is important Oh sorry. have a, no, you're good. We, we might just have a, I'll have to like uh, pause myself. I tend to uh, like just kind of run, my mouth runs too fast sometimes. So <laughs> apologies, apologies um okay so we talked a little bit about cats so but you guys also rescue dogs so i know it started with cats behind a dumpster but how did the dogs kind of get worked into the mix
2: i just want to say we didn't choose that; it chose us yes <laughs> it's not glamorous it's not a glamorous story. Not a glamorous story. <laughs> but it's
1: our start and it's yeah, yeah and it's awesome <laughs> it's 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 our reality yes
2: well, you want to talk about Maggie? Yeah, you talk about Maggie. Well, um, well, first of all, as we said earlier, Melissa's been doing this her whole life. Mm-hmm. So, um, thankfully, you know, I've mm-hmm. known her personally for twelve years. You've mm-hmm. known her for sixteen, 16 years. So, um, she's always been kind of a go-to for us if we ever found a stray animal. It's like, well, what do we do? Because unless you're taught kind of the process of like vaccinations, deworming. Uh, if a shelter can't help, what do you do? You have this animal in your hands. Um, but one day on my way going to work, of course, um, or on my way back from work, it was a hundred degree weather. So it was probably coming back and this senior chocolate lab, um, was crossing the highway and there was cars going back and forth and I just freaked out. So I pulled over. It was again, a hundred degrees. She eventually crosses the highway, and as soon as she gets to my car, she kind of falls in the shade of the car, like just stumbles. And when I was able to look at her closer, she was completely malnourished, uh, about 12, 13 years old. She was a senior dog, gray face, um, and she was hungry. She was scared, she was tired. So as soon as I put her in my car, I happen to have dog food, I guess. You get used to that, having dog food and cat food in your car, leashes, water. Um, And I happen to have dog food and I fed her on the back of my seat and she ate. Well, of course, I'm like, what do I do? Um, She was outside of city limits, so there is no shelter where we're at. Uh, Of course, the, the city shelter was very helpful, told me kind of what to check for. Um, When she came to my home, she was not able to go up and down the stairs on her own, and I have stairs, so I did start thinking, well, we need to look for another resource for her, because it was, and by the way, this is before we started a rescue, it was, you know, it was me, um, obviously with y'all's help, but, you know, me and my dogs, I'm like, I don't know what to do, so we ended up finding um, a hospice in Dripping Springs, um, and it's called Lizzie's Hospice, and her specialty Uh, God bless her because she was such a huge help to me and Maggie. Um, Her specialty is hospice care. So we did raise a lot of money online. I think it was like over a thousand dollars for Maggie to get heartworm tested, flea tick treatment shots. Um, And she tested negative for heartworms and we were able to transfer her into hospice care. Um, She did pass over the rainbow um, probably about four or five months after that. She had heart uh, tumors around her heart. Um, But she was kind of an inspiration, I know, for me, of just what, you know, and by the way, people drove past her. I mean, this was just, oh, another dog on the side of the street. Just keep driving. Um, And I'm just so thankful for that opportunity. And I know Lizzie's hospice was thankful. She ended up being published in the Austin Business Journal or some sort of newspaper. Um, And she was able to live the rest of her days in comfort. And that was, like, the biggest thing. And she was comfortable. Um, and she was loved and we named her Maggie because the highway was Magnolia, highway Magnolia. Um, and she was a really great story. Um, we have one other story that I want to talk about Ginger.
0: Yeah, we want to hear it.
2: <laughs> well, you want to start with just the,
1: the,
0: the oh, yeah.
1: okay, well, Ginger started with a phone call And we received a phone call from a lady out in the Gonzales, uh, County. And, uh, and this is right before that first freeze last year came through. And if any of y'all remember, it was so cold. It felt like, yeah, it was, it was awful. It was dropping below 20 degrees, which is like freezing cold that night. And, uh, we had gotten a call and, uh, the lady that called was really worried because next to kind of the property that she lived on, she could see um, day in and day out a dog. He let the, let her out and then put her back in and how he controlled her was with a shop collar, a bark collar. And it was probably maybe an hour, you know, when he did go out. Um, And so we got the call. We don't, I don't know what to do. I had asked, have you called the sheriffs? Because out in the rural areas, A lot of times it's just the city, right? If you get a call of a dog in the city, then they'll take it to the shelter. Outside in the county, that's not the case. The sheriff can go out or whoever is called to go out, they'll check out the scene. If it has shelter and food, that's it. That's all they need. Well, this was a horse trailer. And A small one. And- A very small horse trailer. Yes, and and it had slits in it. And um, what do I do? She called the sheriff, the sheriff went out. Oh, well, it's got shelter and food. And so she feels helpless because she knows the storm is rolling in. And then I think at that point I was like, okay, well, I'll try to make the call and talk about the situation. And we got a second call for them
2: to come out. Um, and then I'll let just kind of take the reins because I think this is where you picked well, up on so and I was thinking well at this point, by the way, we're getting other phone calls. Heat people need heat lamps, they need uh hay, all this stuff. So we're kind of scrambling yes. and then scrambling with our own personal animals. And uh, so I decided to go out there. I have this huge igloo of straw and hay, and I'm like, here's this. And When I arrive, I'm like, oh my gosh, you were not kidding. This dog is trapped in a horse trailer in the middle of a field, no covering, freezing cold. In fact, I have a picture I'm going to show you. Uh, Can you see her little paw right there? Oh, by the way, she's a beautiful, beautiful lab, yellow lab. And I was just, we're both like in shock. By the way, we're covered. It's freezing. It's freezing. We're cold. We're in the middle. We're like, what do we do? Well, As a rescue, we can't physically go into anyone's property, any of that stuff. So my hands were tied. in fact, we came home just crying our eyes out. Just like, we're in the warmth of our homes. What, like this dog is out there. What do we do? Well, fast forward the next day, we get a call from the neighbor and she's like, I have ginger is her name. I have ginger. She's safe. She's warm. I'm going to talk to the owner tomorrow. She was able to talk to the owner. Um he came back and forth a few days. He didn't live in the area, by the way, he lived an hour away and he saw that the ginger was getting along with her daughter, like her young children. And, um, he actually, again, I think this is answered prayer. We prayed a lot. Yes. He was like, how about you keep the dog? And we, I think just probably lost our minds. We were like, yes, thank you. Thank you, God. That is exactly what we wanted. And so the moment he surrendered the dog, we were in the clear. We were like, We're stepping in, we're going to help. And Ginger has been just the most awesome lab. Um, She's probably about three years old. We don't know. I mean, she could have spent her whole life in there. I know for sure it was nine months. Um, She's now, you want to tell her where she's at now?
1: two people that live in the New Braunfels area. And so, so sometimes we, we do a program as foster to adopt. So some families are unsure, they wanna see if they have other animals, how the dog or the cat gets along, and then they'll eventually make the decision to adopt. And we've had a lot of success with that, um, or the dog or the cat, however, has had a lot of success with that. And so um, there is a lady out in this area, in Kingsbury um, area, and her name is Renee and she really helped and worked with us because the thing about Ginger too, is that she had she had no training whatsoever she was controlled mm-hmm. by heart collar and that was it and so Renee really stepped in and and food aggressive she also had heartworms oh yeah I'm her, sorry yeah yes. we had to have her treated for heartworms so that took we had her for a while between the three of us mm-hmm. um, she was very food aggressive so there were some challenges, some behavior issues, and then that's where they're talking about Renee came in and was a huge lifesaver. She has a business, it's a boarding business, it's called Pampered Pets Resort, and it's a wonderful, a wonderful place. Uh, it's, you know, you step out there and you're like, yes, like this is, you know, this is an incredible, an amazing area. So she stepped in and helped train, whether that was sitting, walking on a leash, um, even with the food aggression, how to work and sit next to it because not only would she guard her food, even sometimes with us, she would definitely do the animals as well. And so Renee was able to help her with that. And so along with that also, one thing that Renee and which we know now more than ever with networking is word of mouth is so important. You can just talk to somebody. And so she had two clients that came out. Had a yellow lab themselves named Cash. And uh, she was like, Well, you know, Renee was like, You know, I have somebody in mind. So, a couple, we'll see. They're going to come out. And so they came out and met uh, Ginger and again brought Cash. It was such a wonderful match. And so uh, she has now been adopted and lives in New Broncos with Cash and the couple and their daughter and is living best life is sprawled out on the couches is in the backyard goes on morning walks and the aggression and the things that she had to work out as is gone she is just completely where she needs to be and it's been a true blessing to be able to see all this unfold and never to give up also never give up because you just don't know and if you don't try until take <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> Don't you know, try and take those workplace
0: hazard. Workplace oh, hazard.
1: Yes. But he's, oh, oh, he's spicy. There's another cat behind.
0: Him. He's very territorial of his area. He's old. That's okay. We know how that goes.
1: <laughs> um, but really, if you don't try and look for those opportunities and and branch out and seek it, you're not gonna find it. All you have to do is ask, and if you look for those opportunities, you will find it. It's just gonna take a lot of work. And it's awesome to be able to see the byproduct of that work and how many people had their hands even in and the blessing that came out of this family adopting her. And they've done a wonderful job. Uh, a wonderful job. They so
2: send us videos of their ginger and cash eating together. Yes. And it just blows my mind. Because I'm like, ginger, we, we could not feed ginger at the same time as the other animals. Yeah, And now they're eating out of the same bowl, actually. Out of the same bowl. So oh, gosh. We have some of these crazy
0: cats. (laughs) Those are my favorite, the crazy ones. (laughs) I have one right now. I don't know if you can hear her. She's scratching at the door. She's like, I was like, I might have to let her in if she keeps hitting against the door to get in. (laughs) She's a big girl, so she makes a lot of noise out there.
1: (laughs) Well, also, really quickly, I want to touch on, because some people might not know that heartworms is it's an undertaking. Um, uh, that's something that ginger had regal had, and a couple of others that we've had to treat and kind of go through the process
2: of being able to mend them of that. And what's crazy is it could be prevented heartworm medicine is what they need every month. Keep your dogs on heartworm medicine. I didn't know that growing up.
0: I think a lot of people don't realize how, um, severe heartworm cases can get, they think, oh, you know, you don't think about it. And um, yeah, I had to experience that growing up, uh, you know, and people take care of their animals differently nowadays, right? Like my parents are from a different generation where like, you just didn't do that with your pets. You didn't take them to the vet. They just kind of fended for themselves. They lived outside, uh, you know, and so now it's like, you know, 30 years later, we're looking at, it's a there's so many resources available to help care for your pet we know so much more Um, which brings me to an interesting topic I'm curious for you guys like I have some friends that are vet techs and um, the difference between how vets treat cats and dogs and if you see have you guys experienced that before you know I know a lot of people and again I'm focused on cats you know so it's interesting for me when I hear that a lot of vets don't really know how to care for cats. And they're just using what they've learned off of dogs and just trying to see if it works. Um, There are some very cat-specific vets, but unless you're going to a cat-specific vet, you don't really know if you're getting the right quality of care for your cat. So is that something that you guys have experienced before? Yes. you're
2: speaking. We were just talking about this other day and as much as our vet is just credible with animals um i know their specialty is livestock because we're in the yeah. country and dogs we there we're both learning about cat feline diseases in fact felines have so many more diseases a lot of times that you don't see unless you test them or you notice little there's there's sarah uh little nuances about their behavior because they're so what is the word um, I don't know, it's you, It's hidden. A lot of the cat's behaviors are hidden. You don't really know what's going on with them. So yes, I, I mean, if I were to have a magic wand, it would be more that knowing about cat diseases. Um, and we've had to learn a lot. I mean, right behind us I was, is like all of our medicines. Mm-hmm. And we do uh, now a lot more in-house that is preventative. Um, one is worms. Uh, worms, we have learned you know, can kill kittens. So that's the first thing that we deal with when we get a new cat, kitten, or even dog. Giardia, coccidia, there's Panluke, there's um, Khaleesi, Khaleesi there's virus, temper. there's herpes, distemper temper for, temper for dogs. Um, there's so many more feline diseases that we've had to keep up with. We haven't found like a cat specialty vet. It would be amazing if, they, if we could find one. Uh, we've been able to network with other rescues, and then even, um, I know APA does have some protocols that they use for their neonatal kittens. That has actually been really helpful, uh, but we have experienced that 100%. Yeah, it's,
0: uh, it's challenging, right? And, um, you know, I think part of it, too, is, and back to the education, right? Cat behavior is different from dog behavior, and so, you know, they don't show pain the way that we show pain or the way dogs show pain and people don't know how to, what to look for, right? Like ears drooping or like their whiskers or they don't have facial expressions. So, you know, dogs have a lot of facial expressions. They have the muscles to make that happen, but cats do not. And so you have to look for, for different signs. And I think that there's something there for pet owners to really kind of dive into because, yes, your cat learns to communicate with you specifically because you're in, you're their person, right? And so you start to learn things and mannerisms and, you know, they might meow a certain way towards you and you kind of pick up what that means. but. Even beyond that, like being able to recognize like when my pet is hurt or, you know, when my pet is sad, like what are, what is it that you're looking for? Cause it's, they're not going to cry. Like, what is it that's going to trigger for you as a pet owner? And I think that there's some, there's definitely some education around that that needs to take place. Even for me, and I've owned cats my entire life. Like, um, I'm still learning every day, like how, how to recognize what's going on with my pets. So. It's, a, it's an interesting topic to me. <laughs> so what kind of advice do you have for people who want to get into the animal wealth, welfare industry?
1: I'd say what Melissa told us whenever we talked about
2: forming a rescue, she like, said, go big or go home. <laughs> I know some rescues only focus on that one area and that's helped them. We have the three of us. Some rescues are formed with just one person really dedicated. If you're able to foster, you can always
1: look and reach out to local rescues or your local shelter. There, you know, There's
2: such a, a huge need. There's always like different areas that may be more needed if there's already a rescue, but I agree, fostering is a good place to start. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the ladies that helps and fosters dogs in preparation for transport uh, I was talking with on Tuesday, actually, and she was like, how do I do it? How do I create my own nonprofit, you know, so that I can, you know, provide a better space for these dogs that I'm fostering and, you know, have a grooming station. And so I was able to walk her through kind of that. And she's specified in a certain area where she wants to focus on foster and getting dogs specifically ready for adoption opportunities up North. because that's what take me home does. Um, and they are incredible.
2: They're amazing. Um, I wanna say one more thing about rescue is 501c3 status. Like I, we formed as a 501c3, but study that. Okay, the
0: learning never ends. So that is uh, you know, a life, lifelong thing, whether you're in this industry or not. So everybody needs to be prepared for it.
2: Let's talk about the cats we have for adoption right now.
0: Absolutely okay. So this is
1: Lee. Oh,
2: this is but she's ready to
1: she's camera shy.
2: <laughs> this is Eli. This is the one found behind a gas station. Thanks to Melissa who rescued him. He is neutered, vaccinated, super sweet. Great with cats and dogs. All of our cats are great with cats and dogs. This is our little panther, Sarah.
1: She's very active and she loves to steal your food. <laughs> yes. Every so often. Every so often.
0: Yeah.
2: But
1: this is sad. <laughs> uh, <like> <laughs> Very sad. <see> cool. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: the-
0: so how many um, animals do you currently have up for adoption right now? Oh
1: gosh. Well, total, like cats specific?
0: Well, cats and dogs, just in general.
1: Um, well, we've got Tyrion, which Jessica is going to grab. We have, so we have quite a few here that we're in our home that we're fostering, but we also have them, some of, some of our cats, um, at the Perfecto Cat Lounge, and, uh, but all of our animals were listed on Pet Finder. Okay, the- great.
0: Awesome.
2: We only have two dogs, but that might change tomorrow or the next day. Is it? <laughs> Him and uh, his littermates were named after Game of Thrones characters. His brother, Jon Snow, just got adopted. They're like dolls. They just let you just hold them and kiss them. Um, and we're surprised he hasn't been adopted yet. All of his brothers and sisters, Cersei got adopted. He's just hanging out, rubbing off of us now.
0: We go through the movies, too, when we foster. So my favorite was the Kill Bill series. So I had some lab puppies one time, and so we had um yeah, I can't even remember, but the, the guy with the beard. I, <laughs> he was my favorite, but names are skipping my head these days. I'm getting old. I can't remember.
2: <laughs> we call him aka Grumpy Cat, but I mean look, he's not he's a ragdoll too, but he's not even looking at the camera. <laughs> he's little finger. He's, he's like, What is this? Finger.
0: I love him even grumpy cat he he's cute i like him i like all cats man all of them they all have different personalities they all have unique characteristics it's pretty fantastic all right so pet finder is where you can find all of your adoptable pets And then these are the ones that you currently have in your home. And then you have some at the Perfecto Cat Lounge. That's awesome. Lupita was on the show one time. (laughs) So we like to support the Perfecto Cat Lounge around here. So what can our listeners do to help Kingdom Rescue?
2: You can donate there. Um, Donations always go towards cat litter. I mean, we have some cats that going to be around for a while. I'm not going to say any names um, <laughs> for vaccinations for cats and dogs that we find. We just have cats around, but we, we help a lot of dogs too, uh, but on the website, about the impact we had in 2022, it actually lists a lot of the projects we worked on, the number of animals we adopted, spayed and neutered. We spayed and neutered over 250 animals last year. So, um, That is one way, and then obviously volunteering. We need volunteers anywhere from um, creating impact reports for us, like graphic design, grant writing, um, marketing, uh, getting the word out about adoptions, fundraisers. Uh, We've thankfully had a few people reach out recently where they kind of want to lead the fundraiser on our behalf. That's so helpful. Uh, We have done probably about five garage sales now, and we're tired. We're already tired from the animals. But we're tired from the garage sales, too, because it's just moving stuff. And thankfully, we have an awesome community who, do, who donates a lot of their old um, stuff. So we're able to sell that for our rescue. But we have an upcoming event that Jessica was, was um, or had
1: mentioned, uh, Night No lulling that we're going to be helping to put on. That's going to be a fundraiser that goes towards us. And we really could use someone who knows how to make really cute cat cookies mm-hmm. or paw print, any kind of a... Cat or dog cookie or little paw prints that we can sell. Um, so, if anyone out there listening knows how to decorate, that would be wonderful. And also, Facebook, if they, uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram and uh, I believe TikTok, but Kingdom Rescue. We also post like the puppies I was talking about earlier. We have those posts that we will share those in hopes of trying to find um, fosters or anybody that wants to adopt. So, and then I'll say, too, along with what Melissa was saying, is one of the ways that we're obviously donation based. Uh, but what's super helpful is if there's any writers out there, anybody that does have grant writing experience, that is really helpful in order to give us kind of those resources to be able to connect with other foundations, nonprofit foundations that fund animal welfare or rescues. Um, and then being able to help write those grants uh, for us. And so that we can continue to do what we do because funding, you know, we need funding and thank God for our donate donors that have, you know, helped us out in so many ways, whether that's medical, you know, whatever the case, they've been so helpful and supportive, but grant writing is also key to nonprofit organizations. So if there's any writers out there that are really good at you know, preparing proposals, or are familiar with the grant world, we can take all the help that we can get, so.
0: That's amazing, and I hope that we're able to get you connected to some people that can support your initiative, I think. Uh, It's amazing. I'm grateful to run into you at PopCats. I had not heard about Kingdom Rescue before. And, uh, you know, a girl from a small town, I saw you guys were from Luling. I was like, that's the kind of rescue people I want to support. So I'm really uh, fortunate to find you guys, have you on the show. And, uh, you know, I hope that we can partner together in the future as well. Cat Farm would love to support you guys. So... Um here's to a uh, a long line of uh working together and, and helping getting kitties and, and pups into homes. So cheers guys. Yeah, I wish I had drinks. Usually it's coffee, I'm not gonna lie, but since we're at nine o'clock at night, I got a beer in here today. <laughs> you gotta have fun every now and again, right? You can't be all work.
1: A glass of wine
0: or something. That's right. So I'm good.